You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Good to see you guys again. Now, who does not have our app? I see. Nobody raised their hand. I know one of you in the room doesn't have it. You need to make sure you download our app. Why? One, so that you know what's happening, all the events and everything coming up. But two, if you want to take notes, there's an area in there for you to take notes on every message. And it stays in there for you. So, you know, you're not clouding up your notes section and trying to figure out where did I put it after, you know, I need bread in the house and I need to buy this and I need to buy that. And you're looking for notes. You know, right there in the app. It's all together, all listed. It stays. It's divided by series. So check out our app, you know? Come on. Um, we like, uh, like the video said, we are in part two of In Repair. And we have titled this message. And I do say we because JD and I wrestled with what to title this message back and forth. Um, we have titled it How to Belong. So the title of this message is How to Belong. Now, have you ever watched a, have you ever seen or uh, come across a newlywed couple? I'm sure everybody in the room has. And you look at them, right? And they're all like, hey, babe. Hey, honey. Hey, love. Right? You have, they have these endearing little terms that are so cute or annoying. <laughs> you know? And they just are like all mushy in the way they look at each other. And you're like, all right, you'll get over it. Five years coming. And then you'll just, you know. Just waiting for the, for the ball to drop. You know what it is. You're waiting for the ball to drop and then to get real, you know, and actually treat each other like normal people. You know, know those people? Well, then have you ever come across a couple that has been together a long time? Like 20 years. Shout out. 20 years. Or 30 or 40 or 50. Have you watched those couples that have been together for like ever? They don't even know themselves without each other. Have you seen those? Like, if you haven't in a while, I want to show you a video. One of these couples that have been together for a long time. Check out this video. You know I can't be found. Sitting home all alone. If you can't come around. It was a teenage for the 90,000 followers and the 1 million likes. And a Merry Christmas to you all. Shut up. (laughs) What do you have to butt in for? Listen, if you want to Yeah, you can't bloody miss all of you. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love this couple. Like you've been together for so long that you're so comfortable with each other, right? You're comfortable to just be who you are. You're comfortable to come as you are. You know each other to the deep foundational level. Like there's something so heartwarming about that. There's something so beautiful. There's nobody in the room that's go, 
right? Because you know that that kind of relationship runs deep. You know that that kind of relationship was built and it has grit, right? There's something to it. Like it's been, you've been living, you've lived it together for a long time. And this is the kind of picture that scriptures paint of Jesus and the church. He doesn't, it's not a picture of this fleeting, you know, little passion for a little while. And then all of a sudden you just can't stand each other and you're just bearing through it. That's not the picture that we get when we read scriptures about Jesus and his bride. In fact, if we go to Ephesians um, uh, chapter 5, verse 25, 27, we read this because Paul displays it as a marriage. And he shows, he says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Like when you think of the church, think about the picture that he's saying. And one, Christ gave his life up for her, right? That's one. But two, he is making her holy and blameless. And he says it's radiant. Like the picture that we get from scriptures of the church is a beautiful picture, a thriving of a radiant church. Right? It's more like this marriage that's been tested, that's radiant, than it is about quick feelings and emotions that come and go. Radiant, holy, and blameless. Think about that. Radiant, holy, and blameless. God himself is building the church and he is washing it with his word. And one day he will present it to himself. Now, I want to invite you today to repair, we're in this series called Repair, to repair your thinking or maybe to rethink how you view the church, how you view Jesus' bride. I mean, like if you came in here this morning, that means that you value the church, right? In some aspect, you do value it. If you made it to come to serve, you value it maybe a little bit more. Can I say that? You know, you think, you know, I need to be a part of it. Right? If you engage in it often, you, that just says, I need to be a part of more. I need to engage more. If you're watching online today, maybe you think, you know what? I don't need to go to church. Maybe you can't. I'm, just, I'm not going to say everybody didn't show up. <laughs> I'm just going to say, maybe you can't. You know, maybe you, you couldn't make it in. But maybe if you've been watching it for a while, you think, I don't need the church. I don't need to the church to um, grow in Christ. And I want to challenge that thought today. I want to challenge and I want you to rethink how you view the church. I know it's a little confronting and some of you are like, oh, look, here she comes. Yes, I'm coming. I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you because I need you to view the church and understand that Jesus values his bride. And he's coming back for his bride. Right? He's coming back from the church, for the church. Now, in a recent... Uh, Harvard National Survey, 36% of respondents reporting, this is recent as in February 2021, so this year, um, 36% of the respondents reported that a serious loneliness, reported feeling serious loneliness um, frequently or almost all the time or all the time. So what we know is that 36% of people have said that they have felt lonely in the recent months, right? 
Um, and so we, we know this because we, we talk to people and they're saying, you know, I just feel so disconnected and I feel like I don't have friends. I mean, how many of you have heard that? I feel like I don't have anybody to talk to. I feel like I'm alone. I feel like I'm trying to figure this out on my own. See, we hear this often, but the problem with this is that many people are trying to fulfill this gap or this hole of loneliness with things. They're trying to fill it with distractions, right? You know, I'm feeling kind of lonely, so let me go out and go to a bar. I'm feeling kind of lonely, so let me go and take on another hobby. Or I'm feeling kind of this way or that way, let me go and take on, you know, another thing. Or you know what? It's a relationship that I need. I need to start dating so that I won't feel lonely anymore. And so we're trying to fill all of these these, um, feelings with distractions. We're trying to, to fill this gaping hole with a distraction. And the, the reality is that an apple tree will not produce an orange. You know, if our hole, if our need, if our disconnect, if the gap in, in us is the absence of God and his family, then you can try to fill it with everything else in the world and it won't work. Because friends, Jerry Maguire lied. She does not complete you. He does not complete you. No other thing completes you. It is only God who completes us. And we need to face that reality. We need to understand that. Because we will continue to walk about life trying to replace that need with other things and never get to the deep foundational issue. Now, we were designed to be in relationship, right? So no, um, people do not complete me. But yes, I need them in my life right? We, we are designed to live in community. We are at a cellular level designed to belong. Now, people in our lives can do what? They can be a distraction. They can inter- be an entertainment. Ever met those people that every time you're with them, it's a party? They are just, Dan, entertainment, right? <laughs> there people can entertain you. People can add value to you. People can lift you up and people can tear you down. So where you find fulfillment of this belonging need matters. So the people that you have around you, it matters. I have watched dozens, if not hundreds, of people get in the wrong um, group, get in the wrong community, get in the wrong, um, having the wrong environment. And all of a sudden, little by little, they just, it's not a large misdirection it's this it's like they were going this way and then they get in the wrong and they just start to do this but you know when the drifting is so slight you don't notice it until you're here and you were you meant to go there but you're here it's ever so subtle but the people that are around you influence you we know this we know that there's group mentality we hear this all the time we know that if you are if you go to work every day and you have the same conversations and and you start to discuss certain things those things need to get start to get inside of you and you start to think like those people around you we know that we know this and we know guess what jesus knew this Jesus knew that the people that were around him mattered and the people that are around us matter. So then what did he do? He created a family for us. He created a safe space where you can come as you are with everything that is going on in your life, with all your burdens, with all your cares, with all your joys and with all your sorrows. He created a safe space for us to come and be who we are, but not stay the same to grow, to develop, to learn from each other, to wrestle with scriptures, 
to wrestle with what's going on in our lives, to share what's going on in our heart. He created a safe space for us, and he called it the church. Now we see this in, in Matthew 16, verse 17 through 19. It says, And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loosen on earth or loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. See, Jesus told Peter, I am building a church. I, was, I, will, use, I will build my church on this rock. Why? Ever just sit there and Jesus says things and you're like, why? <laughs> because Jesus knew we would need people around us. He knew that this walk, you know, sometimes when people come to Jesus, they think, oh, it's going to be breezy now. I'm going to walk around and the wind's going to propel me forward. And now everything is going to go great because I love Jesus. Yes. And then it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen that way. And we get disappointed and we get frustrated. And we're like, Jesus, what's the problem? I'm following you. Why am I, why following you it seems more like a storm than it seems like, a, you know, like sailing. Why is it so hard? Well, you know what? Change is hard. And the closer we get to Jesus, the more we, re we change. It just happens. The closer we get to Jesus, the more we are confronted with those things in us that don't belong because we were not designed to be that way. And so it's hard. And so God was like, I'm building a church. I'm giving you a family that you can wrestle with these things, that you can be yourself, walk into that place. It's safe. Wrestle. You know, it's safe. Cry on their shoulder. It's safe. Develop the grit and the character to, to persevere in that space. God created a space for us to be ourselves, to become what he's designed us to become. But we need to engage in it. We need to engage in that safe space. We need to learn to belong. Belonging doesn't happen with one visit. Belonging doesn't happen with showing up a few times and then going away for six months or a year, then showing up another time. It doesn't. Belonging happens when you show up day in and day out. I hear, you know, I hear folks say, I love Jesus. I just don't like the church. Anybody ever heard that? Yes, I'm going there. I love Jesus. I just don't like the church. I've heard that. And I get it. I get it. I get the sentiment. I understand that what happens is they've been hurt. People who call themselves followers of Jesus hurt other people. And that's, this is a reality where people will hurt people. And hurt people hurt even deeper. That's what we do, right? When we're bleeding, somebody else is going to get the, the blood that's spilling, right? And this is normal. But I want to encourage you today to don't, uh, don't abandon the gathering, right? Don't abandon God's family because someone in there is still in progress. We're all a work in progress. We're going to hurt. Right? But we're in progress and we're going to get there. And day by day we get better. You know, but don't abandon the whole community and the family and the space that God has created for you. Because someone is still working things out. 
We need to learn, again, we need to long, learn to belong to one another. We need to learn how to belong to God's family. It's a family. It's a tribe. It's not a gym membership. It's not a frat house or a sorority that, you know, sign in for four and come out and, you know, I never joined one, guy, so. It's a family. And you know that family, blood runs thicker than water, Right? You belong, you remain. Now, I have seen people hurt people in church. I have. I've been hurt. However, I have also seen people restore people in church. I have seen people go through dark times and, not, and make it out on the other end because of people in church. I have seen people who are going through despair and the church was the difference between living in despair or finding hope. I have seen marriages restored. I have seen people be healed. I have seen children come back to Christ and live their God-given purpose and leave behind all those addictions. And I've, I have seen the power of God at work in church as well. But we like sometimes to focus on the couple of things that were wrong. Can we focus and we change our mind, like JD said, to focus on what God is doing, that he is restoring people in community. He is changing lives in community. He is making people better. Iron sharpens iron, right? Now, iron sharpening iron is friction. Nobody likes friction. But it is friction. But it's good friction. It's good friction because we don't want to stay the same. Nobody, I mean, we think we want to stay the same. We think, don't, nobody bother me. Let me stay in my comfort little zone here where I know everything and everything is copacetic, right? But the reality is you don't. You don't want to look 10 years from now and go, I'm in the same exact place I was 10 years ago. No, you don't. You want to grow. You want to develop. You want challenge. You want to learn to, rem to remain, to persist, to the grit, to, sh to see something grow, to see something develop. You know, that takes time and effort. I've heard also people say, you know, any community is community. I've heard this too. Like, as long as I'm with people, I'm not getting lonely. As long as I'm with people, that's enough, right? Wrong. Because what other community do you find that you can wrestle with scriptures and become more like Jesus? Now, a gym is good for your body. That's a good community. It's good for your body to build, to be stronger. I go to the gym, everybody goes, it's a good thing. But it does not replace the church, Right? All other communities, they're good. There's good things about many communities. There's a reason for all of them, and they're good. But a church community is powerful. A church community is the difference between despair and hope. A church community will change your life and will change the world around you. A strong church community will change their neighborhoods, will change culture, will change the city, and will change this country. It is a church community that will cause uh, our, our, our systems and our government and all of those things to change and actually do good for people. It is church that produces hope, right? It's that, it's that um, the gathering. The Bible says in, he, in Hebrews 10, do not forsake the gathering of the saints. And I think it's interesting because right after that it says, as some do, right? We get kind of like, it's just another gathering, 
we forget that the keys of hell were given to whom? The church. Right? Not just one person. To us together. The power is in the togetherness. Is in the unity. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. I want to encourage you this morning. That being a part of a church community is not a side gig. If my heart could just yell that out across the world. It is necessary for what God has placed inside of you. And it is necessary for your family. And it's necessary for your community. Your community needs you to engage. Your community needs you to engage. Like I said though. People are like, so how do I... How do I belong? I think we need to learn to belong, right? We need to learn to belong to a church. We need to learn how to belong to a church community. And I have six ways that we can belong. Okay? For all you note takers out there, six ways in which we belong to a church community. Number one, you keep showing up. You keep showing up. You just keep coming. No one, we don't, we don't develop that kind of relationship that we want and that we seek, that we're knit together. That doesn't develop by showing up once a month or once a year or once every six months. Like, it doesn't. It takes time. It's like if you ever try to make a new friend, it takes time to build an old friend, right? It takes time because it's just you got to know each other. And it takes time to develop that, you know, that fluidity, fluidity, right? So keep showing up. Just keep showing up. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Don't stop coming, right? Because as you are, the Lord begins to do a work inside. And the environment begins to do a work inside. And the people around you begin to do a work inside. And you're rubbing shoulders and now they're not strangers. They're familiar. Right? And the more you have people in that, in, in that um, more of those people in your life that they start to permeate. This now, now it's not just Sunday. Now I'm plugged into a connect group. And so, you know, I get to know more people in intimate settings and I get to know them better. The more you do that, the more you'll begin to see how God changes things inside your life. And things begin to go in the right direction. And he is working things out in your life. So you keep showing up when you feel like it and when you don't. Show up anyway. Number two. You open up your heart. We can't make you. No one else around you can make you open up your heart. And Jesus won't do it either. The Bible tells us that he stands at the door and knocks. Waits for you to open it. It is entirely up to you whether God will come in and begin to do things in your life because you are opening up your heart to him. It is entirely up to you if you're going to allow these people that you see every other Sunday or whenever to actually become friends. And become people that show up for you. It is entirely up to you. But if you want to get out of um, this family what God has designed it to be, then you need to open your heart. You need to allow it to become a family and not uh, the odd co-worker over there that you never go. You know, just you walk in the other direction. Everybody has one of those. Like when we used to go into the office, you're like, ooh, they're coming, you know. It's entirely up to you if we're going to be those odd co-workers or if we're going to be family. Right? And it's built, relationships are built brick by brick. Don't place a certain expectation on people to know you right away or to understand you right away. They don't. We don't. Right? It's built brick by brick. The third point is this. You have to give people grace. Because 
we look at people and we immediately know who they are. Anybody ever done that? Is it just me? <laughs> right? You look at people and you go, I know them. I know that kind of person. We do that a lot nowadays. I know that kind of person. Or they say something. They say one or two words and I, I can read you. You voted for that person, didn't you? <laughs> right? Like we assume. We're very fast to assume that we know them. And can we offer people some grace? Can we give them the benefit of maybe not knowing? Maybe not knowing your story. Maybe not knowing that that would have rubbed you the wrong way. Maybe not having enough information. I don't know. Can we give people a little bit of grace and allow them to come as they are as well? Right? The invitation is come as you are. Not change everything about you, then come in here and look like me, and then you're good to go. Come as you are. But that requires all of us to offer people grace. And as you keep coming, you will also notice, as you keep showing up and as you open your heart, you will notice that God will grace you, grace you to do the other parts, which is grace others and the other parts. As you keep coming, God will create that in you, this love and this care for people, and you begin to grow in grace, right? Point number four, you need to forgive them when they mess up because they will. They will, okay? I promise you right now, I will mess up. And everybody that if you ever, if you do life with people, we will do end up doing something that will make you upset, that will hurt you, and we will, I'm sorry, right? We do. People hurt people, like I said. So you have to decide already that you will forgive. Forgiveness is a decision, not a feeling. And the decision is in your plate. It's not for them to earn your forgiveness, right? It is for you to give freely. Jesus has forgiven you, and you are also called to forgive others. So you have to already decide ahead of time, I'm going to give grace, and then when they mess up and when they hurt you, I will forgive. I will forgive because God has forgiven me. I will decide that I will not live with that in my heart. And so you continue to be a part of the family. You're not the severed member, you know. You know those, <laughs> ever been in those families? Not your family. None of you here. But the, none of you here. But the aunts or uncles or whoever that you don't see because you have this thing. Like, I don't talk to them. In 1973, they did this. Right? I mean, I could tell you people who do that in the church too. Right? That's a choice. It'll be your choice to forgive and to let go. The fifth point is really important, especially in our, I mean, they're all important, but all, especially in the society that we live in right now is that we need to learn to respect people's differences. Okay, we are going to be different and you're going to see things differently and your life is lived differently from mine. And because you think, you vote, you express, you wear, you whatever a different way does not mean you are wrong or I'm wrong or you're, you know, none of that. We need to learn that every single individual is made in the image of God. They carry the image of God and how they express that image looks differently. And we respect that. We honor the God that's in them. So we don't, we're not looking for people to look the same. We're not looking for people to all think and vote and perform. And we're not looking for any of that. We respect who you are. Can I, can I have a different opinion than you? Like, do I have to agree with everything that you think? No. 
When did it become that if we don't think the same way or if we don't do this the same, then now I don't love you? That's caca. It is. I don't have to think the same as you to, not, to love you. I can see the world differently because that's how God made me. Now, we live to, re we respect each other enough to treat each other with kindness and give each other the space to be who we are, right? So that's very important. We respect the image of God in people. We respect the differences. That's how we, we live as family. That's how we build this church community, by respecting one another and where we're coming from. And lastly, is you pray for your community. Can I ask an honest question? Just evaluate in your heart for those watching, for those in the room. Do you pray for your church? Do you pray for the people in here? Do you pray for the next service? Do you pray for what's happening, where we're going? What is it going to look like in the next year? Do you pray for the individuals that you know that are going through things in here? Do you pray for God to bring his power in the room so that we can have his presence just overwhelm us? Do you pray for the sick to be healed? Do you pray for your community? The more you engage in praying for your community, this is not my community. This is our community. The church is us. Not just me, not just JD. It's us. So do you pray for it? Do you invest time thinking about it? And petitioning to God that things would happen in this room. That we would gather on Sundays and see miracles. Because God is into doing them. Right? Do you pray for it? Because I want to see it. Do you want to see it? Do you want to see the power of God just change things? Do you want to see Disney not be here next week? Nope, didn't say that. Get our app for updates. There's stuff happening. You want to see the power of God, pray for your church. Pray for your God family. This is a family. Cover it. Pray for it. Cry out to God for it. You will see that your heart will be so knit together once you start praying for it. That you'll be so involved that you'll be like, what else? What's going on? What are we doing next? Right? When you begin to pray for your God family. I want to encourage you. This is not a message to hurt you. This is a, marriage, um, a message to encourage you to engage with the family that God has given you, the safe space. This is your community. This is your home. Show up. Be a part of it. God is coming back for his bride, and we are it. We're it, right? There's no right or wrong way to do it. Just engage. Be a part. Open your heart. Show up. Forgive Give grace, and you'll see that in one year, as little as one year, you will not recognize yourself. And I can point out names of people that have gone, oh, my gosh. Like, what just happened? In one year, God could do amazing things if you engage in his work, engage in his house. Now, I want to read Hebrews 10. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't put it on the screen. But if you have your Bible, you can uh, mark it or put it in your notes. It says, Hebrews 10 says, uh, verse 23 says this. Let us hold unswaveringly to the hope we profess. For, we, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. 
hold unswaveringly. It requires action on our part. I want to tell you that engaging and being a part is not something that is, comes easily. I want to say that. It's not an easy, like to get up on Sunday morning or to go to a connect group or to put yourself out there or to open your heart. All these things that I'm encouraging you to do does not come easily and it does not come natural. It, it, it takes work. But he who is faithful has promised. Right? He has promised. There's a promise for those that gather. There's a promise. There are promises, actually several, that for those that give their lives to the gathering, to the communing, to the engaging, to the discipleship, that God is faithful. And some of you are wondering, God, where are you? Let me tell you, engage. Engage into what he's doing. You will see where he is very quickly. You'll begin to notice where God is moving. Engage. He who is faithful has promises for you. And he encourages us to spur one another. That's our job. To be together and to spur one another and to encourage one another. And this is your safe space to do it. So if you are here for the first time, great time to be here. Don't ever leave. Kidding. Um, <laughs> I joke, guys. I love you guys. Love you, but I'm glad you came today. If this is your first time, welcome to Connect Community. We are here for you. If this is your first time watching, we love you. Come on in one day. Um, but I want to pray. I want to pray that God would give us his heart for his church. Right? That we would see his church the way he sees it. Because the way he sees it is much like a marriage who has laid down his life for his bride. So let's pray. God, you're so good. And we're so grateful, God, that you created a place for us. See, we could have tried to, have, tried to figure this out on our own and say, figure out how to do it. But you went ahead and you created the safe space for us to be ourselves and to wrestle and to grow and to develop into Christ followers, God. And I thank you for your church. What a wonderful thing it is to be a part of your family, God. Thank you for your church. Thank you for the bride. Thank you that you will come back one day for her. I pray, God, that you'd give us a heart for your church. That you'd give each one of us a heart that sees and feels and experiences your church the way you see it. God, we know we're people and that we're, we're broken and that we go through things and we hurt and but you know all that and still you call us in and still you invite us in. So I pray Jesus that we would see your body, your church, your community the way you see it. Give us a heart for your people. Give us a heart God to build, to work together, to see Father communities changed by the power that has been given and the authority that has been given to your church. God, you promised that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. God, we just declare that in the name of Jesus, that no weapon formed against your church will ever prosper. God, we declare, Father, here on earth, as your word says, whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. We bind the authorities of darkness. We bind all, all uh, spiritual, Father, matters that, that are coming, Father, to afflict 
to bring sadness, to bring loneliness, to bring depression, to bring separation. We just bind all of that in the name of Jesus. And we loosen, Father, the spirit of love. We, we loosen, Father, you know, unity. We loosen, Father, um, honesty and love and peace. We loosen all those things that are of the spirit over your people. God, let all the chains fall. And let, Father, your unyielding love, your steadfast love permeate your people. We thank you, Jesus, for creating places for us to gather. And thank you for this free country, God, that allows us to do that without persecution. Thank you for that. We just worship you wholeheartedly, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.